Welcome to the Rebel Alliance Media Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Nate. Nate, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's nice to be back in here today. You got a different tablecloth that you can't see, and it's uh, it's good. I feel pro. We, we got the whole setup going on here today. Big, big, huge table. Nice new sign, which you can see on our videos, which go live every Monday on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and if you're listening to this on iTunes, feel free to give us a rating. We would love the ratings. And if you're not listening to it on iTunes, you're just listening to it on Facebook, feel free to like us and share us because this helps tremendously get the gospel message out. So today we've got uh, uh, some good stuff to talk about. Before we get into that, we're going to do one of our regular things that we do here, Nate. Something in church culture that you want to just chuck in the waste bin. What are you throwing in the bin today, Nate? Well, I was, I was thinking about this uh, on my way here, and um, <clears throat> here's what I'm throwing in the bin. Church signs that think they're funny. Oh, that's now, I know, now, I know we all kind of get a good laugh out of some of them, but, uh, and I'll tell you, like, so there's a church right around the corner from me that put one out. That was, I mean, it's kind of clever, but it was, um, uh, Jesus is God's selfie. Right, that was the that was the phrase, and it's just like, okay, I can see how that's kind of a cute little like relevant cultural thing, but you know, if you have an opportunity to kind of engage people as they're driving by on a busy street, it's like that that's the joke you want to throw out there, or like that's the message you want to give to them, and because inevitably on top of that is you're always going to have the one. So the other one that I saw was uh, avoid burning, wear sunscreen, S O N. And I'm thinking to myself, like, that's awesome, cool. like that, yeah, like that's re- that's that's really gonna help, yeah, get some, get some people in the doors. And I'm a big believer in uh, the gospel is offensive enough, and so if you're gonna offend visitors, offend them with the gospel. Don't offend them with anything else. Don't offend them with, you know, uh, offensive odors in the church or offensive signs out front or unfriendly people or or too much talk about money. Don't offend them with anything but the gospel because the gospel is offensive enough. So I just think uh, more often than not, the signs aren't as funny as we think they are. They're not as evangelistic as we think they are. And sometimes they have uh, the possibility of actually doing harm, but mostly just because they're, they're just cheesy. They're, they are va- massively lame. Yeah, most so of them. That's so the, that's, I don't like, I should point out, I don't even like when like, Anybody tries to put a clever sign on. Like, yeah, like a business. Jiffy Lube or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the Jiffy seriously. Lube by our house does yeah, this. And I know, I'm like, it's I don't, brutal. Your signs just irritate me. I don't go there because of your sign. <laughs> right. So now you've done the exact opposite thing that you're trying to do. So think about that, pastors, as you're writing your signs on the <laughs> out there. We're chucking in the bin. Um, Johnny Mac has a great, has a great uh, quote for this. I'll try to do my best to, to uh, get it right. But it was like, um, let the gospel offend people have spent so long themselves offending God. It's, it's time for them to be offended for once in a while. And mm. it was just like, yeah, it's interesting. A little harsher than I would yeah. be, but that's just, but that's Johnny that, Mac. That's Johnny Mac. Yeah. That's Johnny Mac. So, uh, all right. So what are you putting in the bin this week, Chris? I'm chucking the whole notion of mid service coffee breaks. Yeah. We, yeah. I don't, this, this all of a sudden popped up. I don't know where this came from. Probably some church with like the name, the village or something. That's we like Maddie Chan. Yeah, we do like Maddie Chan. Hipster name churches probably yeah. have this where they have like, oh, now we're going to do something like the totally presence. different. The presence. presence. There you go. There's, the word there's of a hippie power. name. Yeah. Word. yeah, exactly. Like something. Yeah, no, I agree. Resonate church. Um, thrive in the middle. Anyway, Yeah, they have a mid-service coffee breaks. Can you not sit for an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half without getting a coffee? 
when you've already probably brought in a coffee from Starbucks, a grand mo- mocha latte fra- frappuccino for the people that probably go to that bucks, coffee. Yeah. Costs $9, to, yep. which they could have put in the offering plate, but that's beside the point. Um, oh, you're, you're fired up today. I'm, I'm very upset <laughs> you're about this. fired up today. I, I woke up in a bad mood um, just because of this. Is it because of the coffee? Or? Mid, mid-service. I didn't get it. I didn't have my coffee before, so I was just like, I got to I gotta throw it in there. Yeah, the mid-service coffee break is uh, is definitely disruptive. Like, it's it's just one of those, again, what are you, what are you here for, right? So, like... There's there's just the impracticalities of it, but then there's the the deeper like what are we here for, right? And what are you saying about what we're here for by by having a coffee break in the middle of the service? And they're never it's never like it's a five minute thing too. It's always like fifteen. Yeah. Be like get up. Oh, you know what? Now not only am I going to get myself a coffee, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to make some phone calls. Like yeah. I'm going to switch seats. You like. know what? I I agree with you on this, but I feel like there's going to be some people. Um, and, and maybe even some of our, our listeners or, or some of the people that we've had on the podcast whose churches do this. So I'm just going to throw this out there. If you disagree with us or your church does this and you like that, put in the comment section uh, of the, the Facebook video for this podcast and, uh, and tell us why you think it is a good idea because we don't think it's a good idea. But uh, defend it in the comments section, and we'll engage with you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I would love to have that chat. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully Chris will respond to you on a day that he's in a better mood. <laughs> I, I loathe the mid-service coffee breaks. But anyway, so moving on before moving we offend on. everyone that listens to our podcast. What are we actually talking about today? Well, you actually had a really good idea. Last, last week, we, we spoke about Old Earth and Young Earth and the creation event. Right. Um, and you had a really good idea of turning this into like a, a, almost like a mini-series on our podcast, our first series. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your, what your thought process on that was? Yeah, see how I led you into just saying what a great idea I had? That's good. Eh? That was sneaky. This is why you're the boss. <laughs> so, uh, basically, you know, one of the things that that you and I are really passionate about. I mean, we we kind of got into reform theology and and fell in love with systematic theology, right? And so, like Wayne Grudem, systematics um, has been instrumental for both of us, um, and uh, John Frame. But uh, but one of the things that you and I have gotten more and more passionate about over the years is biblical theology, right? Like how do how how do the the uh, particular doctrines that we adhere to, and we've talked about a lot of them on this podcast, complementarianism and Calvinism and these sorts of things. How do they fit into the meta narrative, the big view of the Bible? Because I think sometimes what happens is, uh, as as Christians, we we get caught up in a particular story of the Bible or a particular verse in the Bible. And, uh, and we don't necessarily, I think a lot of Christians are sort of illiterate when it comes to the grand story of the Bible and how mm. the whole thing fits together, Genesis to Revelation. And then even sometimes as theologians, as some of us who would, who would maybe pride ourselves on knowing the doctrines of, of Scripture, sometimes we can get really nearsighted as well as we, we pull this one doctrine out and we kind of examine it, but we don't fit it back into the big story. So I say that to say, you know, last week uh, I really enjoyed doing our, our show on uh, creation. And most biblical scholars uh, who, who have tried to kind of um, map out the meta narrative of Scripture have, have come up with these four categories, right? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And in these four categories, these, these four acts, if you will, um, it, uh, it tells you the grand story and how the whole narrative of the Bible fits together, how Jonah 
or Nehemiah relates to the book of Revelation or the uh, Pauline epistles. It, It matters because God's telling this one big story, and this one big story is kind of broken up into these four parts, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. So my suggestion is, since we talked about creation last time, is that we kind of um, just just pull that in so that it's part of this kind of series, and then uh, and then talk about the fall. So um, uh, how's that sound to you? So, good, good sounds idea. like a great idea to me. So why don't we just sit? Why don't I just actually start reading it? And we'll just talk about the the event as as we kind of unfold it, like Scripture says. Yeah, that sounds great. So last week we talked about creation. And, uh, and all, all, I guess, to, to kind of tie it into the series, since this has now become a four-part uh, mini-series, if you will. <laughs> Part two. Part two. Um, we'll just remind, so we talked about creation last time, and we talked a little bit about young earth, old earth, and we got into some of the nitty-gritty science that we might not have got into uh, if we knew this was part of this, uh, this series. But uh, So basically, the, the point is this, though, that God created the world, and it was good. Right, that's, that's the part of the story as we fit it into the grand narrative that we want to focus on. God created the world and it was good. He looked at his creation, he said it was good. And so everything functioned as God intended it to function. God, it, 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 uh, things worked the way they were. The, you know, the Hebrew word here is shalom, right? That there was peace, that there was practicality, there was functionality. It says that uh, you know, God created every tree in the garden uh, that was uh, good for food and beautiful uh, or pleasing to the sight. So this idea that everything is as it should be. It's, it's in peace. It's in shalom. It's created for human flourishing, and, and Adam and Eve were placed there to, f- to multiply, to have dominion over the earth, and everything is the way it should be. So there's creation. And then... Genesis 3 happens. And so, so we get into fall, and that's where you are. So, so yeah, let's just uh, go to Genesis 3, and we'll walk through it. Wonderful. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any, any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. I think we should pause right there. Yeah, let's go for it. First thing, and I don't want to claim this as an original thought, I've heard this said, he didn't actually ever tell Eve to not touch the tree. So already, she's distorted God's message. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, um, in Genesis chapter 2, you'd notice that God's command to Adam uh, to not eat of the, the tree that was in the middle of the garden uh, was given to Adam prior to Eve being created. So God gives that command to Adam and then creates Eve so that Adam can then pass on God's law, his commands to his wife Eve. And so even very early on in, in the biblical narrative, we see this idea that, that God places headship and leadership and responsibility on Adam to convey his will and his, uh, his law and his commands onto his wife. So the, the spiritual leadership in the home has already been established here. And so we don't know if, they, if there was a breakdown in Eve's understanding or in Adam's uh, communication, but somewhere they got their wires crossed. Big time. And somewhere along the way, Eve added to the command of God that you can't even touch the tree, which was never part of God's original thing. And I, I just find it interesting. I mean, that, um, 
you know, on this, on, in this program, part of what Rebel Alliance podcast is, is here for is to try to help Christians uh, look at the world through a biblical worldview and engage the culture with a biblical worldview. And just for those, for Christians who are struggling to do just that, right, who are struggling to see that the Bible comes to bear on every sphere in their life, their work, their home, their, you know, relationships, all of it, um, that's what's attacked at the very beginning, and that's what's attacked each and every day now. That, that question, did God actually say? And so when you think of some of the, uh, the topics that we've touched on, right, about, about abortion and about transgender and about some of these things, you know, this is where the kind of the, the, the quote-unquote Christians on, on the left, the, the liberal Christians that uh, um, have kind of uh, dominated, I think, a lot of where Christianity is going and, and has really strayed from, from biblical orthodoxy, that's what they ask. Did God really say and it's just that's where that the word of God is what's under attack first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. We see, and we see that like you were saying, we see that with everything we try to do as we try to explain away what God's word says for things like gender roles and um, other things in scripture later, like women creation, which creation. we just talked about last week. Um, yeah. Everything we just try to explain away, try to find a way for it not to say what it just clearly says. Right. And I, I think it's funny that I think there's like you said, that's, on display here, For I think sure. to set the president that, that we know that is how Satan works in this area, right? Like yeah. that is how sin works. Yeah, for um, sure. So, let's, let's continue. So verse four. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the trees was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So that's interesting. Let's stop there for a second. I mean, what do you, what do you see in there? Because you got a big smile on your face too. <laughs> well, what is Adam doing? Like if Seriously. he's with her. Yeah. So who was knows. with her? Who was with her? <laughs> who was with her? And, he, and he, he already knows that God said, don't do this. Right. So he's just watching her do this? He was the primary recipient <laughs> of God's command not to do this. And you'd think at this point, like, we, like this is a bit conjecture. We don't, we don't have any other stories that any other animals were talking to people. Right. So you'd think he would have just red flag snake talking to my wife. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just not normative behavior. Right. Why are you not in, involved in this? It's just a failure of him being one, a man, yeah. two, being a, a good in this point, Christian guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not thinking, just like, nah, it's, it's cool. She's, she can do whatever she wants. Right. So and clearly, yeah. So, I mean, immediately we see kind of a breakdown in communication again here. So we, we already talked about the miscommunication of God's command to Eve. And now what we're seeing here is that, um, you know, if, if they have a good communication, good communication within the relationship, then the first thing Eve would do is kind of turned to Adam and like, you know that thing that you told me was the one thing God told us not to do? Well, this snake says that we should do it. What do you think, right? But clearly the communication wasn't flowing enough for her to either feel the comfort to do that or, or bring that to him. So he's there, he's not interjecting. So his is a sin of omission. She's not coming to him. So there's a breakdown of the roles about leadership within this, this very first relationship. And, uh, and uh, I mean, the, the extent of his petition was, and he ate it. 
So there was no petition. In other words, Eve's like, hey, do you want some? And he's like, yeah, sweet, awesome. Sounds thanks, like a good plan. thanks, hon. Thank you. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, it, there's, there's all kinds of stuff here. I mean, uh, at the end of verse 5 there, right, and uh, uh, Satan is lying to Eve, and he says, and you will be like God. And so immediately we see what, what's called kind of original sin here is the, the desire to be autonomous, right? God gave you his law. Don't eat it. And, but, but Satan is now saying, you'll be like God. You'll be the one calling the shots. You'll know good and evil. You won't have to rely on God so much anymore. And so this is, this is the sin that Adam and Eve are guilty of in the garden, among other things, which we'll unpack in a little bit. But this is, this is the, the idea. They wanted autonomy, not theonomy, right? Like not God's law, but their own law. They wanted to be in charge. Yeah, there's exactly. When you look at this, there's, it's, I find it interesting that the serpent, like, we, we seem to some, so often take the, the blame here and put it on the serpent where it's like, yeah, he's at, he's at fault for tempting, but they make, the, they make all the stupid decisions. They yeah. could have easily stopped it. You know what I mean? At any point, they, like, they fall for the temptation because they want to be like God. Right. Because they're prideful and... Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're right. There's just a series of bad choices here, right? Eve, don't engage with the snake. When the snake talks to you, don't even talk back. There's your first mistake. Secondly, what's Adam doing? He's right there, but he's not saying don't talk to the snake either. And then the snake accuses God of, of essentially lying and being manipulative or malicious in some way. They don't stop there and defend the character of God. Then uh, they go on to actually eat the, eat the fruit, Diso- straight disobedience, their desire to be like God and autonomous. I mean, there's just a series of, of sins and a series of, of mistakes here. You, you, you say it sometimes, one one bad decision can ruin a whole, a yeah. whole chain. It's funny here that the, you, you see that. Totally. One bad decision, she engaged with the snake, right. le- leads down a train that ends up being the fall of all mankind. Yeah. And it's just like, if, if just that never happened, now we can arg- obviously argue the, would it, could, it have, could they have avoided it, all that right, stuff. Yeah. We're not gonna get into that right now. But one bad decision, engaging with the, with the serpent, sets the course of human history on a totally different train of train of events as prior because everything prior was good right and that's and that's so the very next verse here and i'll read it for you and then i'll let you pick up an eight but verse seven says then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths right so you go from the end of genesis 2 that says the man and the wife were both naked and not ashamed to now suddenly their eyes were opened they recognized their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together to hide their nakedness from one another and from God. And so suddenly you see what's, what's flooded in here is insecurity, suspicion, right? Um, low self-esteem, like, like all the things that we are, you know, suspicion and, and, uh, and fear and, and anxiety, all these things that are now part of everyday human existence come flooding in. Yeah. And the two who were naked together and unashamed are now na- no longer naked because they hide their nakedness from one another and ashamed. Yeah, you get, you, and you also see like this idea of like they were they were naked and unashamed because they were perfectly content with the way God had made them. They were completely right. okay with everything God's design was. That this point is the first, like soon as they they eat, they recognize that they're naked. They're no longer happy, like you're saying. They're no longer happy, right. dissatisfied with what they had. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, and their and their desire then is to hide it. Right. And it's just like, let me cover this up, even yeah. though. And ev- fifteen minutes ago it was good. Yeah. And <laughs> every single one of us for the last six thousand to ten thousand years 
uh, has been doing the exact same thing, right? Yeah. Ashamed of ourselves and trying to hide our shame. Yeah, yeah. To, and we're, we're going to get to it, and the next part of it, they, hit, they hide from God, right? Yeah. So I'll pick up in verse 8. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave me, <laughs> sorry, let me read that again. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord, uh, let's stop yeah, let's there. Stop let's, there. <laughs> let's stop Because there. there's so much in there. I mean, um, yeah, so you, you mentioned it. I mean, their first, their first instinct now is not to walk with God, but now to hide themselves from God, right? Yeah. It, and, and again, you know, did they not think that there would be consequences? They knew that there would be, and so they're, they're hiding themselves. And this is where the Romans 1 stuff begins, right? The suppression, right? The suppression, the hiding, the, the, uh, the like hiding from, from the, uh, the consequences of their actions. And so you see them, and their first instinct now is to hide from God. Yeah, and you, you also see if you tie, that, tie this to like no one seeks for God, like their first instinct wasn't like, let's go say I'm sorry. Right. Let's go repent. Let's go, you know, fall before God and be like, we're morons. We're dumb. Yeah. We've done all these things. Their first instinct was like, let's flee from the presence of God as if they could get away from him. Right. And then it'll be okay because we right. could just hide from him. Yeah. He'll forget about it later. That's really good. I, I like that you link that to the Romans 3, no one seeks for God. And we see that in our, in our first parents here, you know, their first instinct to, to hide from God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting. I mean, just verse, verse nine is interesting, right? But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Right? So again, we're seeing these subtle hints, uh, not so subtle hints, really, if you take them all, uh, together of God holding Adam primarily responsible, right? So Satan went to Eve to tempt Eve. So he, he tempted and, and caused Adam to fall through Eve. So he, he subverted the, the leadership within the first home that God established. But then when, when uh, God comes to them, he reestablishes it. I'll deal with Adam first. Yeah. And so even though Eve was the first to sin, and Eve was the one that, the, that Satan uh, approached, it was Adam who was held accountable first. And that's, that's heavy for us as, as husbands. That's, right? that's absolutely. We're like... He deals with us primarily as the head of the head of the household, as, like as we are the authority in that air, in that sphere. It's up to us to guide our household in all righteousness. And if we don't do that, he's not going to go to our children or to our wives and be like, why did you not do this? He's going to come to us and be like, why did you not lead them correctly? Yeah. And that's. Oh, it's terrifying when you think of it that way. And and speaking of not leading correctly, um, you know the the cowardice here of Adam is on full display, right? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And Adam, right, the, the man said, 
The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. So I'm going to blame Eve. I'm going to blame God. I'm going to blame everybody but me. This is everyone's fault yep. but Adam's. Yep. Because you gave me the woman. I didn't ask for the yeah. woman. Yeah, exactly. You saw that I needed a helper and you gave her to me. It's yeah. your fault, God. Your fault. And then, your fault. and then she's the one who ate. So <laughs> you or her, you guys work it out. Like you, <laughs> you guys, guys work it out. out. Who's more just, fault? Like, let me, let me hang out still here in the yeah. garden. Just sit on the couch and watch TV. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, so you see the blame game starting immediately with Adam, once again, not being the leader God called him to be, not holding, him, not hold, uh, holding himself to account, um, and immediately blaming Eve. So, so we're seeing all the sin flooding in and, uh, and all the, the uh, desperate wickedness in, in the human heart kind of coming out all at once here. Well, and it's funny, it's funny if you think of it, this is, this is exactly what we do. Even as Christians, this yeah, is what we do with seriously. our with with sin. I only committed that sin because this person did this to me first. Right. I only got angry because this per- my boss was a jerk to me this week. I only, you know, called in sick today because you know yesterday I had a hard day at work and I needed to steal my wages today by staying home. It's we we never take responsibility for our own actions. We never think. I did this because I am a slave to my flesh still and I haven't, right. I haven't let this, I haven't given the sin and yeah. this flesh back to Christ. And it's just like, ugh. Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, just to go on a little bunny trail here, you and I are big believers and we've had this conversation several times that, you know, sin doesn't cause, or sorry, circumstances don't cause us to sin, right? Sin is in our hearts waiting for circumstances to draw them out. Right, exactly. so circumstances cause you to sin because your heart is, or don't cause you to sin. The sin in your heart causes you to sin. Circumstances just give you an excuse for it. Exactly. They draw out the sin that's already there. So, yeah. yeah and we see that. Yeah. Third, third book of the Bible, already seen it. Yeah. So, uh, verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So, following her husband's lead, right? Not a, so this is the thing, right? Husbands, you will be leaders in your home, whether for good or for bad, right? Exactly. And, uh, and so following in her, uh, her husband's leadership, uh, she plays the blame game as well. The serpent, he deceived me. Yeah. And it's interesting that if you just think of the way, like what you were saying about how uh, God established the order correctly, God, man, woman, and then the, and then the serpent, the serpent kind of flips that paradigm on its head. Right. And it's funny how when God comes right. back, he, he deals- goes to Eve first, gets to Adam exactly. through Eve and subverts the role that God plays in their lives. Right. And exactly. And then we see here, God reestablishing that order. He went to Adam. I'm first. in charge. I'm going to call Adam first. You're then right. to Eve, And now he gets to the serpent. Right. And so he's like, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field on your belly, you shall go and dust. You shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Stop there. Yeah, we could stop there just for a second because this is, this is uh, uh, you know, God is the perfect storyteller, right? And so we're talking about this in terms of the grand narrative of scripture, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And, uh, and so here we see the first foreshadowing, right? In the story that God is telling, the first foreshadowing 
of the redemption piece. So in the midst of the fall, right, in the middle of this, this horrible thing where, you know, the world is still on fire, so to speak, God makes this promise that the fall isn't the end of the story, that uh, redemption is coming. Uh, Genesis 3.15 is called, scholars would call it the proto-evangelium, the, 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 the first gospel. This is the first mention in all of scripture mm. about the promise of a Messiah, the promise of a Savior. And so as, since we're talking about the grand narrative, the first kind of promise about um, the, the one who is going to come to right everything that the fall made wrong, the, the one who's going to kind of get us back to the perfect shalom of, of uh, creation is going to be the seed of the woman and the snake crusher, right? So that, that he, shall bruise, uh, he shall bruise your head, right? He, this Messiah, this one who's going to set everything right, shall bruise your, the serpent's head, and you shall bruise his heel. And, uh, and the, some translations would say, uh, he will wound, uh, you will crush his head and he will wound your heel. Um, the Hebrew here is interesting because it kind of, uh, it, 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 it lands weight on the, the crushed head. And we all know, obviously, a head wound is, is more fatal than a, uh, a wound to the heel. But this is the, the, the foreshadowing here is the, that Christ would be the wounded conqueror, right? That he was going to die on the cross and in his death, f- deal the death blow to Satan there and begin to reverse everything that the fall had put into place. It's, a, it's, a, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. And it's funny, it, it's amazing to me, God, in God's sovereignty, he, he does this within moments of it already happening. It's like, yeah. he, in the, he knows in the mercy this happens, of God. bam, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to fix this. Yeah. You're not going to understand it. Yeah. but I'm going to find a way to fix this. Yeah. And now looking back on this, we can see the beauty that is the, is the redemption and the yeah. restoration of the whole thing. So Beautiful. And to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire, desire shall be contrary to your husband and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till the ground, till you return to the ground for out of it, you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. So, I mean, uh, there's, there's lots that you can just kind of look at here in terms of, so this is, this is the curse, right? This is, so yeah. sin enters the world and God curses the world because of its rebellion against him. And, uh, and there's a lot of really kind of interesting things. Uh, I was interested, your translation there actually says uh, in the second part of verse 16, your desire shall be contrary to your husband. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a, an earlier or a later edition because yeah, you're reading from the ESV as well. Uh-huh. And, and mine just says, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Um, but either way, the, the, it's, it's the same thing. Um, you might think that uh, a wife's desire for her husband isn't a, a curse. But what's interesting is that that same language is used the very next chapter in, uh, in the story of Cain and Abel. And uh, what's interesting is that uh, when, when God is talking to 
uh, Cain, he tells him that uh, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you. It's the exact same language. And what does sin, which God describes to Cain as, as crouching at his door, what does sin do? Well, it wants to overpower you. It wants to master you. It wants to uh, have you. And so that's the same language that's being used here. Your desire, so the curse on Eve is actually for to overpower her husband, to control her husband, to lead her husband for her husband's role. So all of the the kind of um, the the you know f- feminist motivated um, you know empowering of women that we see is uh, and, and believe me we have we have we love the women in our lives we 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 think uh, men and women are created equal in terms of uh, their their uh, sonship in Christ and Absolutely. their uh, being created in the image of God equal in value but different roles. And, and I think we, we pointed out some of the ways in which Adam was given primary leadership in the home. And here we see that part of the curse is actually um, that Eve will now struggle with the role that she plays within the relationship. And her desire is going to be to subvert that role and take on her husband's leadership. Yeah. Which, which she didn't prior to, the, prior to this. Right. And, and then what's interesting, right, because, and that's right, because in creation it was shalom. It was perfect. It was it the was way good. things were supposed to be. The other thing that's interesting is that you see this curse is hitting them right at the core of who God wants them to be, right? So um, Eve, it, the curse is uh, you surely uh, multiply your pain in childbearing. Your pa- in pain you shall bring forth children. And then, so... So both of the curses on the woman are domestic, right? You'll want to subvert the leadership of your husband, and in pain, you'll bear children. So at the very core of who a woman is to God, and we're not saying that um, the that uh, women can only be kind of you know stay-at-home housewives. We're not no, saying no, no, that, no. that at all. What we're saying is that at the core of who God calls women to be is maternal. It's, it, it, is, it is their primary responsibility— as for the discipleship of the children within the home. And so God hits the woman with the curse at the very core of who she is. And then to Adam, it's, it's actually to him, he's cursed with work outside the home, right? It's, it's now he'll have to sweat to work the land. He'll have to sweat in his work outside the home. So, so as the provider, as the protector, um, Adam is cursed. And so God curses them both right at the core of kind of who men and women were created and designed by God to be. Yeah, God told Adam to have dominion over, over the earth in a good way that wouldn't have been a toilsome thing. Right. And now it's going to be toilsome. That's right. Eve was told, like, well, Adam and Eve were told to multiply. Yeah. And now that multiplication is going to be directly affected. Right. And so the two of the commands that God gave them are now directly affected by the curse. And, and that's such an important piece because the fall didn't negate God's command to Adam and Eve, right? The command is still be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and have dominion over it. But now it's in multiplying, there will be pain. In having dominion, taking dominion, there will be toil. Yeah. So now it's a hard mandate, but it's still the mandate. Yeah, the, 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 exactly. The plan hasn't changed, just the method and the and the toilsomeness of right. of the plan is is now corrupted yeah so it's it's funny and uh and of course thorns and thistles shall bring uh shall the earth bring forth for you and so the, the even creation itself is now distorted and uh and it's a bit of an inference although w- when you go to isaiah 
and it talks about the wolf lying down with the lamb, uh, you get some sort of at least symbolic picture um, that the animal kingdom was distorted in the fall as well. So here it's thorns and thistles are coming forth. We don't know. We don't know what, um, what you know, carnivores ate prior to the fall, but, <laughs> but somehow, some way, the, the entire uh, inhabitant plant life, animal life, human life on earth was all affected by the fall. So in some way, everything is now distorted. And so the point here is, you know, following the grand narrative of the Bible, creation, everything is good, everything is the way it's supposed to be. God created the world and it's good. Fall, man disobeyed. And because of man's disobedience, the world is now in rebellion toward God. And because the world is in rebellion toward God, it is cursed And so women are cursed, men are cursed, earth is cursed, animals are cursed, everything is cursed. Everything comes into the world that's that's harmful and everything that subverts the way that God intended it came in as a direct result of the fall. Yeah, exactly. And then like basically death enters the world because of it, right? So the whole the whole idea is distorted. Right. And that's and that's what we see in in, uh, Romans chapter five, right? Um Verse 12 of Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. Again, that's interesting, right? Eve was the first one who sinned, but sin came into the world through Adam, right? We're talking about headship here. We're talking about leadership. Um, It is Adam who let down the human race. Um, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin was not counted where there was no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, yada, yada. And it goes on to say that um, though sin came into the world through one man, uh, so too did redemption come into the world through one man. And we'll get to that next time. Yeah. But, uh, but we're talking about the fall. Yeah, one last thing about that. The thorns and thistles shall bring forth you. I just think that's a great picture. We know when Christ is crucified, they give him a crown of thorns yeah and so the show like he's he is reversing this curse yeah i mean he's lordship over it yeah, he's totally. in control of it the whole time and i i just i love the i the picture here is that god has promised already he's gonna he's gonna fix this problem then he delves out the curse on us but then in there even in there we see the glimmers of the fact that Jesus will come and he will he will reverse this whole thing yeah and i just think it's a beautiful picture when we start seeing scripture as a, as a whole narrative, instead yeah. of just a book here, a book here, we right. see it as one story that God is telling from the beginning of time to the end of time. Right. So. And, and so then I would just say it this way. So let's finish off the chapter here. I'll read the last couple. Um, verse 20 says, The man called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Verse 22, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat it and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim uh, with a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Um, so just that, that completes chapter three, which tells us about the fall. Um, and immediately afterwards, you see now, now what's happening, like what has sin wrought, right? Cain kills his brother Abel. So we see the very first murder. We see that um, uh, one of Cain's uh, descendants, Lamech, takes two wives. So we see polygamy <laughs> and we see, you know, uh, uh, perversion within marriage. So we see murder. We see that uh, we see that there is a... Um, 
a uh, right uh, Lamech talking about Cain's descendant. It says, you know, uh, you know, he he'll take seven times the vengeance that Cain would take, and so we see an escalation of evil suddenly on the scene. Yeah, we see an escalation all the way up until when the fact that God actually tells Noah that wickedness is so bad that I'm going to destroy it all. Right. You know what I mean? Like so it we see a, a very quick ramping up of how depraved we are without God, God's presence with us. Yeah, absolutely. And so I just want to comment on the end of chapter three there. It says, um, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So um, here's the first uh, death, if you will, right? So sin entered the world and with it, death came into the world. So uh, though we'll see the, the first murder in the next chapter, uh, here's the first death, and it's it's God killing animals and covering Adam and Eve's nakedness and shame with the skin of the animals. And so we see here a picture of the very first time that the innocent die for the guilty. And I think, again, it's mm. foreshadowing the gospel. It's foreshadowing this idea, the very first, and, and we'll see that animal sacrifice um, in, in place uh, to, to take our sin becomes a, a theme in the New Testament or the Old Testament. But uh, you see that God slaughters the animal and with their skin covers the shame, covers the nakedness, covers uh, the uh, uh, Adam and Eve. And so we see the first innocent dying in place of the guilty, which foreshadows the ultimate man, the only innocent man, Jesus, dying in place of the guilty. Exactly. And, we, and, we, and then we see another, the 22 through 24, we see just another great testimony of God's mercy to us. For sure. That he drives us out of the garden. Right. And it implied that if they stayed there, they would have been able to eat of the other tree, which would have meant they would have been cursed in their sin forever. Right. And instead, God drove them out onto the, out, out of the garden that was good, right. out into the, uh, the world, and prevented them from returning, basically giving them the opportunity to die in, the, in this so that they could be redeemed. Right. So that, because if they didn't, they would, we would have been stuck in our sin forever. Right. And so if the grand narrative of, of scripture is uh, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, you'd think, well, we're halfway through and we're only through three chapters in the, in the whole Bible. Um, but essentially, the, the Old Testament then becomes a, a picture of what happens uh, with humanity in this fallen state, Right. It's uh, kings, and sometimes you get righteous kings and wicked kings, right? You get uh, the judges, which are all immoral individuals. You see um, the wickedness rising up on the earth. They try to build a tower uh, to reach to the heavens. You know, God has to slaughter everybody apart from Noah. I mean, you just see wickedness run rampant. And what you see essentially throughout the entire Old Testament is this idea that, that God has a plan and it's moving somewhere, but people stay in their sins. And, and you know, you can read all of the history of the Old Testament and, and one of the overwhelming uh, repeated stories in it is God did this great thing and then a generation arose that forgot the great thing that God did and then they descend into wickedness. And then in their wickedness, God comes to them again, draws them back to himself. They remember it, they turn back to God and then a generation arises that forgets. <laughs> and, and so you see this cycle until we get to, and, and all, the, all along the way, right, you get these hints, you get these glimmers, right, that uh, the virgin will give birth and to him will be born a son, right, and we should call him Emmanuel. We, we get these glimmers, we get these, these, this hope that there's someone who's coming who's going to restore it all. But that's ne next week's episode. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the redemption piece, and we'll get to that next week. So hopefully Absolutely. you learned something as we walked through the story of the fall. 
Absolutely. As we uh, continue on in this four-part series on uh, the grand narrative of Scripture, and hopefully you see how some of that ties together, and hopefully we'll keep tying it together as we go. Well, we'll do our, we'll do our best. Yeah. Um, there's a lot there. But if you, if you like this thing, please let us know. Give us a, a, some comments, feedback. If you want to see us do more of this kind of work in Scripture, just working through some texts, and let us know what you, what you think. And if, you, if you've heard something today you would like further clarification on or just want to delve into deep, feel free to message us on Facebook or, or give us a, a like and a share. That's this week's episode. So hope you guys are enjoying yourselves. Thanks for joining us. Have a great one, guys. Thank you.